Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dearly beloved, the path that led me to become high priest is an interesting one. God himself established the priesthood back at Mount Sinai, roughly 1,500 years before I was born. Aaron was the first high priest, and each of his successors was to come from his bloodline. My father-in-law, Annas, is a descendant of Aaron. I am not. After Judea became a Roman province in the year 6, we Jews were no longer allowed to choose our high priest. The Romans did it for us. Quirinius, the same governor mentioned at the birth of Jesus in Luke 2, appointed my father-in-law Annas as high priest. Annas officially served in that capacity for 10 years. Three years after he was deposed, I was chosen to be high priest by none other than the governor who preceded Pontius Pilate. You'll hear about Pilate's role in Jesus' death next week. If you haven't guessed it yet, my name is Joseph ben Caiaphas, though most people simply call me Caiaphas. I was a Sadducee before becoming the high priest. The Sadducees are the upper social and economic crust in Jerusalem who maintain the temple. Though I put up a good front with Rome, I spend much of my time trying to come up with a plan to free my Jewish people from our Roman oppressors. After all, we are all waiting for a promised Messiah who will drive out the Romans and return our Jewish nation to the height of earthly power we once knew under King David. I have been serving as high priest for more than a decade when this Nazarene named Jesus began stirring up trouble. For three years, I sent scribes and Pharisees to watch him and trip him up. After all, he heals on the Sabbath. He also eats with tax collectors and sinners. How can anyone actually follow or listen to this man? And by whose authority does he do these things? What really set me off concerning this Nazarene was something that happened just a few days ago. Everyone is saying that he raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. This story is spreading like a virus. Many of my Jewish people are putting their faith in this Jesus. This has to be stopped. So my fellow priests and the Pharisees gathered together the Sanhedrin, the ruling council made up of 71 elders. We met in the Hall of Hewn Stones at the temple. Once the elders were gathered, my colleagues said to them, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. There was murder in my eyes that day, so I stood up and offered this piece of advice. It is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Guess what? They loved my advice. And from that moment on, the Sanhedrin made plans to put him to death. It is now Thursday evening. Judas has followed through on his agreement to betray that Nazarene. 
Jesus is in custody, captured in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our guards first took him to my father-in-law, Annas. Annas questioned him about his disciples and his teaching. When Annas was done with Jesus, he sent him bound to me and the Sanhedrin. St. John, one of this man's disciples, later wrote about me, saying, It was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. You better believe it was me who gave that advice. I am all about expediency. Either this man, Jesus, dies, or the Romans will come after us. This troublemaker must die to save the people. The question is, how can we trap him? How can we get the Sanhedrin to convict him? I know a way. It's something politicians have done all throughout history. Let's start a rumor campaign. Let's propagate some fake news. Let's bring in some false witnesses. We sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but couldn't find any. We even had many witnesses testify. But those misfits could not get their stories straight. Some even stood up and bore false witness against him, claiming that he would destroy this temple made with hands and build another not made with hands. But even their testimony did not agree. Things were spiraling out of control, so I had to do something. We must get rid of this man. So I stood up and asked Jesus in the presence of the elders, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? Can you believe the gall of this man? He remained silent and did not answer me, the high priest. So I put him under oath. When God's name is invoked, he will have to give an answer. I adjure you by the living God, Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. That's when he answered, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. I could not believe my ears. This Nazarene is claiming to be the Christ, the Son of God. I will have none of this blasphemy. So I tore my robes and said to the Sanhedrin, What further witnesses do we need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? Their answer was music to my ears. He deserves death. Death. He deserves death. A few of those present, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus among them, did not consent. But almost everyone did. Many of them started spitting in his face. Then, after covering his face, others slapped him and struck him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is it that struck you? Yes, there was murder in my eyes that night. You know the look. You've seen that look, staring back at you in the mirror after someone infuriated you. Like me, you too have hated. Like me, you too have despised. Like me, you too have wished evil on another person. Do you remember what St. John wrote? 
Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So don't go pointing your accusing finger at me. You are just as guilty of murder as I am. What I failed to realize and confess and believe about this man named Jesus, you, by God's grace, do realize and believe and confess namely that he is indeed the Christ, the Son of God. He is indeed the promised Messiah. I was too blinded by hatred to see it, even though I lived another 13 years or so after putting him to death. I was too wrapped up in my false beliefs to see that this Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. What a marvel it is that God the Father allowed his Son to be murdered at the hands of sinful men like me, all to save a world of rotten, rebellious sinners with eyes of rage against God and one another. Later, St. Paul writes, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You and I deserve God's wrath, but this man, Jesus, took it for us. He willingly allowed sinners like me to crucify him. As he gazed down from the cross upon the cruel world who hung him there, he said, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Sure enough, God has forgiven you. Jesus' blood has paid for your every sin. Jesus' sacrifice has paid the ransom in full. You are atoned. You are redeemed. You are saved. As it turns out, those words which I thought were so brilliant— It is better for you that one man should die for the people, were not really my own words. In a mysterious way, the true God used me as high priest, even in my murderous rage, to prophesy that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. As Holy Scripture makes clear, Jesus is the one and only high priest that matters. He is greater than Aaron and all of his descendants. Every earthly high priest had to atone for his own sins before atoning for the sins of the people. They had to offer sacrifices daily. They had to sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant yearly. But none of those sacrifices ultimately paid the price. They just prefigured the one and only sacrifice that matters, Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus, you see, is the Lamb of God without spot or blemish. He had no sin of his own, yet he who knew no sin became sin for you. He, the true high priest, offered up himself on the altar of Golgotha that you would have forgiveness, life, and eternal salvation In his name. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, 
It was expedient that one man, Jesus Christ, should die for you. In his death, you have life. In his ransom, you have full payment for your sin. In his justification, you find peace with God. What you, because of your sin, could not do, Jesus has done for you by keeping the law perfectly. What you, because of your sin, deserve, Jesus has taken upon himself by suffering your punishment and dying your death. What you, because of your sin, could never merit, Jesus now gives you freely in the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, God the Father remembers your sin no more. Despite the fact that you struggle daily against the devil, the world, and your own sinful nature, despite the fact that you too often give in to temptation, God is merciful to you in Jesus Christ. Know this. Trust this. Believe this. It is true. God will never forsake you. When your sins seem to hide God's face from you, when your conscience burdens you or weighs you down, when in the day of trouble all things seem to be going wrong, when your days and nights are filled with sickness and pain, rush to the holy wounds of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in his house, here in his holy word and blessed sacrament, here in his gospel, our Lord Jesus embraces you, comforts you, takes you into himself, and gives you that peace which the world cannot give. By God's grace, I pray that you understand and take to heart and believe what I, Caiaphas, did not. Despite my evil plans, God the Father completed his plan of salvation. God the Father saw it fit that one man, Jesus Christ, die for the people, for all people, even for you. This evening, God the Father calls you to hold fast to this truth. He calls you to believe that you have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. He calls you to hold fast to your confession. And he calls you to come boldly to his throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. All this is yours, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, because it was expedient that one man, Jesus Christ, should die for the people. See how much God loves you? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.